All right, welcome to the next episode of Failure TV. I am Cray Mitchell, and today on the show, I have Brian Wallace. He is the founder of Now Sourcing. He is a Google board member. He's been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Mashable. And please welcome him today. How are you doing? I am fantastic, Ray. Thank you so, so much. I've been looking forward to the show for months. I like when people are always like, oh man, like what's your favorite show and all that. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to pick a favorite, but man, you just nail it right on the head with the stuff that I love talking about. I love talking about failure. So we're going to have a good old time today. Excellent. Uh, I, uh, I'm very happy about that because um, a lot of people don't want to talk about failure. And to be honest, they know? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it was a little tough at the start to, to get a, a couple of guests lined up because yeah. everyone assumes that, you know, when, when you've got a name like Failure TV, it's all about failure and bad things. But unfortunately, that is the exact thing that we're trying to or the exact stigma we're trying to avoid here is failure yeah. is a good thing. Let's let's Failure is fantastic. Yes. I mean, if you guys, you're delusional if you think that there's no such thing as failure. Look at anyone that's ever succeeded. All they do is fail all over the place. And once in a while, they get lucky. And that's the thing you read about. <laughs> exactly. And um, working uh, with a lot of e-commerce and working in past retail, one of my favorite quotes um, was uh, always, um, oh, what was it? Oh, now I've just gone completely brain dead and had my own online failure. Right. Um, that's okay. I mean, you're supposed. That's like the, your monologue for the show. It's like, hey, let me fail all over the place. Um, I'll throw in a quote while you're thinking about it. So I love this thing. If anybody's ever seen the movie The Big Short, they throw a little quote on the, the front of the movie where it's talking about Mark Twain. I think it's Mark Twain. There's some discussion of whether or not it's him, but it says it's not the things that you don't know that'll get you into trouble, but it's the things that you do know that aren't so. Right. So there's like all of these things that everybody's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. So in this particular movie, in this particular story, they're talking about the housing market, which kind of destroyed the United States economy and kind of most of the world, which we are now finally 10 years later, allegedly out of. Right. So talk about failure. Right. I mean, that's failure of epic proportions. I mean, that's like multi-generational failure. It is, except uh, it doesn't appear that anybody still wants to take credit for that. And right. <laughs> so everybody's like, make it it's right. the other guy. Yeah, I don't want to, I'm not going to own up to that. Most people, that's so true, right? Like people do not own up to failure. They don't want to talk about failure. Everybody wants to fetishize and glorify entrepreneurship. If we were back in the 1950s, like what's an entrepreneur, like a door-to-door -door vacuum cleaner salesman and like, you know, snake oil. It's just like a bunch of, you know, charlatans that aren't really, they don't want to work hard. And it was a bad word and it's still a bad word depending on where you are in the world. But I don't know, man, like everybody's kind of turned it on its side and I'm glad that we are all excited about entrepreneurship. But man, everyone just talks about these things like their successes. Wow, I got in the press again. It's like, okay, but you can literally just pay somebody to do that, right? Like it doesn't mean anything. All these little social proofs that we hang and pat ourselves on the back, a lot of that stuff's meaningless. And if we all just, instead of pretending about this thin veneer of how everything's fine and we're all happy in all these perfect Instagram moments, entrepreneurship, and you know, I've been talking with all my fans over the past few days, just kind of talking about this show, man, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this, but it's just, it's such a dark and lonely psychological moment when you are an entrepreneur, not to like be a big downer for the show, but it goes hand in hand with failure, right? So we don't want to acknowledge failure 
for ourselves, for others, we don't want to talk about it. And who do you talk to, right? Like you talk to your friends, oh, wow, I'm an entrepreneur. And they all think you're crazy. And they're like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, I just work nine to five. Not that they are anymore, right? I mean, they're just sitting there. My phone's not on, but like, you know, they're just like, oh, you know, I work my nine to five. I, I'm in control of my own thing. I'm not an entrepreneur. But meanwhile, they're just like, you know, missing out through all their life moments and their kids and their dinners and their all their great events right so Absolutely. everybody is just kind of talking about all these things but they don't want to acknowledge the the gorilla elephant whatever in the room which is the failure and it Absolutely. should be the complete opposite it, it it's like everybody still thinks or kind of believes that whatever they see in movies and tv which are all the high points like when you watch right. these reality <laughs> shows about businesses oh, and stuff they're they're showing you it, it may not be exactly scripted, but they're they're showing you the good parts. The, this was all yeah. planned, you know. Even when they do fail, they you know reduce that a, as much as possible, and they still show you the best parts of that. They don't right. tend to show you people crying in the corner and waking up at totally. two a.m. in panic. And you know that's why? The thing. Because it's the product. And guess what, everybody? You're the product, right? I mean, like they're just selling you ads and stuff in between. So they're like, you know, so Gary Vaynerchuk, not to like call out names or whatever, like he's got like a shoe deal now. And then, you know, they have specific commercials when all these shows are happening and they're just getting you to buy stuff, right? They're getting yeah. you to buy into a mindset. It's crazy. And he has tons of content too. So yes, I can really imagine how many and, uh, viewers and stuff and are going to be. He talks about failure all the time. I remember I was at an event he was doing. I brought up failure probably two, three years ago in conversation. He loved that. He's like, exactly like what we're talking about. He's like, yes, exactly. I wish people would talk about this. I talk about it. I own up to it. I'm, I'm saying like from his perspective, he, yeah. he is not shy about things that he crashed and burned about. No, he's not. And I absolutely love him for that. And I have reached out to him about being on the show because, you know, he even he has said that um, one is greater than none, right? Uh, he's got a whole absolutely. video on that. And it's all about, you know, it doesn't matter the size of the show or the size of the viewership or how many people you're speaking to. You just right. have to reach that one person. And totally. that's why I started this because over, over my career anyway, um, I have helped a lot of people. I am so bad at helping myself, but I can help other people really <laughs> well. I am a great middleman and I'm great at uh, figuring things out and you know telling people what they can do to right. increase their business. But when I'm trying to do it myself, I love it. it works. But it's it it's it's awesome, and I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> so true, man. Fantastic. Yeah, and maybe. Uh, Maybe he'll respond to one of my emails. Uh, I've I've got a bit of a. Let's see if I can whisper to people. <laughs> right. no, that would be definitely awesome. Yeah, for sure. Man. But um, so, you actually uh, posted uh, this morning when you were talking about the show. Yes. Um, that you know so many people that uh, basically surround themselves with fear and rationalize their their every move. Uh, can you explain that a little bit more? Because I I know. Sure. I know a lot of people will totally understand, but I want to talk to those people that don't quite understand and kind of elaborate on that for them. Right. So, I mean, I make like all these infographics all over the world. So I'm kind of like a very visual learner as I feel like a lot of people are, they don't want to just listen to talking heads. So let's do a little psychological experiment. If I could turn it on to you for a second, it, sure. it's not gonna be scary or anything. Like there's no like <laughs> right or wrong answers, but you haven't, I don't think you saw me do this. So I, I don't think you're ready for what I'm going to say. So usually when I give a talk, this is like one of the things I lead in. So I say, and if you will, please, and everybody out there, if you can, when you're watching this, raise your hand as high as you can. Okay, now raise it higher. 
right? Like, dude, you literally could stand up on your chair, jump off of your chair, like crash your head into the ceiling, right? But we don't do these things, especially like, let's say there's a crowd of a hundred, a thousand, whatever people around you, because you don't want to look like you're crazy, right? So people yeah. hold themselves back situationally, like, you know, just like, this is just you by yourself and me by myself, there isn't anybody else around or whatever. But when we're surrounded by crowds, we don't want to go that extra mile because we're afraid. We're afraid that this is not like the right response. We're going to look weird and all. And it's such a weird little spot. Like it's, it's such a strange thing to talk about, but this is the root of it, right? Yeah. Fear and failure. Look, I mean, <laughs> you know, you and I, like we talk about all this stuff all the time and we're fearless or whatever, but we're not like, we still have to face oh, no. reality. We still have to face fear. We don't live a life without fear. We don't wake up and it's like, oh, check it out. Like, I don't have any challenges anymore. Like, no, <laughs> listen, like everybody that you think is killing it out there probably isn't because, and just do the math, right? Like there's only so many people who are the 1%. It's only the top 1%, right? And yeah. everybody, and that's not even a good measurement either, right? Like just measuring everything about money. Well, that's a whole other show, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> yeah I, mean, I think just, you know, it, the world isn't about how much is in your bank account. I think it's how much you help people in this world. And I think you can't help people until you help yourself and you clear a lot of stuff out of your forward vision, which is just filling your head out of fear because fear inhibits your brain, uh, even on a neurochemical level, right? The whole fight or flight response. So the second that you can kind of get over a lot of these things that hold people back, like you said, like everything I posted about today, like even just getting on a video, do you know how few people are willing to like come on with you? Well, you know, right? Like a lot of people, yeah. they're just gonna keep making <laughs> excuses. Oh, my hair is like this. I don't want to, I'm not sure about the first video. Do you know how many people like in the background I've like gotten off of their asses to just force them to do their first LinkedIn video or just launch that class or stop making excuses for yourself. And it's the people who do the action now that I think at least, not that they're necessarily going to be successful because tons of stuff fails, right? 70% of businesses kind of fail over time anyway, at least, or 80, or if you're in a restaurant business, forget it. But at <laughs> least the people who listen to the feedback and do it like now, do it today. I'm like, all right, if you do this, this, and this, I've analyzed your business plan. And if you do this and this on LinkedIn, or you do this on Facebook, or do your, your podcast, whatever you're going to do, and we've laid out some stuff, if you take all the advice, you seek the advice, and then you're just like, oh, no, no, I'm good. It's like, why did you ask the advice in the first place? So you can't help these people that don't want to be helped. And yeah. again, just starting it back with myself, yourself, there's just so much that we can do to help others when we can't even help ourselves and we're trapped in that. And a lot of that's the nine to five mentality, but it's not even, right? It's just the the budding entrepreneur or if you're inside a company, an entrepreneur, or if you've got your side gig and you're kind of just doing something on the side as you're working somewhere, all of these situations, when you hold yourself back and you cannot embrace failure, I love failure. I talk about failure all the time. You know, like when I was up for a TEDx talk, I didn't get it. I wrote more about not getting it. I was happier to not get it than getting it. Right. When I was about to do a co-working thing and that, I mean, I got that like covered in Forbes and I still failed. It like, it closed before we opened the doors and who cares? Like, you know, the it only happens. thing you do is experiment. Look at a place like Amazon. I think Amazon did, what was it? 2000 experiments last year. Like look at every venture capitalist on earth. They expect 90% of their, I'm just throwing out a number. I forget exactly what the number is, but venture capitalists know that like a ton, the majority of the stuff that they invest in is crap and will never make it because they know there's going to be one thing that rocket ships up. Yeah, right. Exactly. Everybody's getting rich off Bitcoin today. Yeah, sure. It sounds like you're a genius in the beginning of 2018. I mean, I was actually looking at an infographic. We did like, I don't know, like 
four years ago. And like in the infographic is that Bitcoin was like $300 <laughs> instead of like almost 20 grand. Ripple I was, like, it was under 10 cents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and you know, we can all like have this, you know, hindsight moment or whatever, but it's overcoming, you know, just again, that whole hodgepodge of fear and failure that just lead us to not really ever fulfill anything we're trying to do in our life. People, if yeah. you let people, they will run your life for you. Every company on the face of the earth would love to make money and just fill your brain with stuff instead of having you think. So if you're not going to be willing to step up and do it, that's just where you're at. So sorry to run stream of consciousness there, but there you go. Oh, no problem. That, that was awesome. And you brought up some really good points there. Um, a couple like, um, one of the things I love about doing consulting work over yeah. being an employee is when you're an employee and the boss uh, gets your advice on something, they hired you for this reason and then they don't listen right. to you and there's nothing you can do about it. Whereas when you are a consultant, you can just walk away and not worry about it as opposed to staying there day after day and looking at exactly. it going, this should be <laughs> different and nobody is listening to me. Right. And, you know, making that break um, to, to go out and, and, even bring it up to a boss, especially after they've said no once already, can cause a whole lot more fear. And I learned quite a number of years ago to just stop doing that. And if you have that thought and you want to do it, just just do it and stop thinking about it. Because yes. the more you think about it, the more that fear builds up. And that right. is why this podcast is two years later on air than it should have been. Because right. I first started talking about this in 2015 in Chicago with a bunch oh, of people nice. when I spoke at a conference and, okay. nice. you know, I, I, I wanted to, and you know, there's just same thing. I, I made all these other excuses of, well, I've got to get this done and I've got to get this done and that done and this done. And yes. I finally said, you know what, I'm done. So I talked to somebody who had already previously agreed to be my first guest, which was Nikita. Okay. And I'm like, Nikita, what's a date that works for you? I'm like, like, what's, he's like, well, I'm starting this new gig and uh, on this date, I'm, he's like, anytime before that, I'm like, this date, this time, he's like, done. I'm like, all right. And then I pushed it out on everything. <laughs> so I sent it out on social media. I let everybody I know know. I put it on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and Facebook because now I'm being held responsible by myself and by everybody that I've told to make sure that I actually do this. So if you're having that trouble, sometimes it does help to just, push it out there in order to make yourself accountable, even if you don't make it. Yes. Accountability is so important. Let me jump on one other quick point, which I think is very important. So, at, you know, right now we're just, you know, everybody is like their brain is bathing in the dopamine of New Year's resolutions, like the one minute where we give a crap about like pretending to accomplish something and you just have the same to-do list day after day and you don't do anything. Give me a break. All that stuff's nonsense. Without accountability, it's just, it's wishful thinking, right? Like have actual goals, write them down, have an accountability team, whether that's your internet friends or whatever. I want to talk about something really interesting. So let's say you actually achieve your goals and let's say you know you're really on your way and ramping it up and you're gonna have like a badass podcast this year and you're gonna blow your business out of control and you're gonna grow 50 times whatever you've done and everybody else is listening and doing all that kind of stuff out there i feel like something really interesting that everybody should think about once you start to get noticed online, we're, we're going to call it internet famous, right? So I'm a little bit internet famous. I don't mean that from an egotistical thing. It doesn't count for anything. Like, do people stop me in the street and ask for my autograph? Nobody cares about me. I'm just some random dude. I'm not a bathing suit model here. Like, I'm not a TV celebrity. Nobody cares, right? Yeah. But Okay, so, but lots of people, you know, will 
listen to my message, get inspired by my message. Like somebody was asking me like, hey, you're like training people on LinkedIn now. That's cool. Can people vouch for you? I'm like, hold on, let me check. So I just write on the internet. Hey, how did I help you? And there's like just this huge thing of comments. And she's like, holy crap. Like just the fact that you got that much stuff right away shows me that like you're not kidding around here, right? So you have a following. So here's the thing, everybody. I almost said kids, that's weird. So here's the thing. <laughs> It's, I don't know what's wrong with me today. It's We're been a long time. I mean, if you're 90 years old, you're just a kid at heart, whatever. That's Age right. is but a number. It's all your mindset. So here it is, kids. Once you start getting some fame, notoriety, press, clientele, a following, a persona, whatever, now everybody's watching you. And this is something that I think we should really talk about today, Craig. You know, after kind of years of being the man behind the curtain, I've had my business 11 and a half years now, like over the last, like once we turned 10, I don't know what happened in my brain, but I'm just like enough of this behind the scenes stuff. I'm just going to get out there. I'm going to speak to more people. I do. I'm at least on like one show a week. At one point I was on three shows in three different continents, three days in a row. I'm like, all right, once a week, too much. <laughs> like I can't handle this schedule wise and preparing and thinking about what to do and every time I talk, it's a totally different message. I, I have to come up with something original or what's the point? I think that's a total failure. Everybody's just like, oh, bullet point ABC, whatever. No, none of that crap. So once people start to get noticed, I feel like this is a whole other layer of fear and failure that can snowball in a big way. So I think Absolutely. this stuff is so, it scared the crap out of me. Like earlier, like I don't know, six months ago, I had something on LinkedIn that had like a million views on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, people are watching everything that I do. And a lot of people, you know, the trolls start coming out and you have to like carve out a piece of your day to respond to people. And by the way, everybody, if you can't respond to people and you're so big, like just get off the internet. We don't care about you anymore. So please respond to your lovers and haters and just everybody, you know, they're built, building your platform for crying out loud. So give everybody a break. I hate that yeah. when people yeah. can't respond, can't like, don't even get me started. Th that's not this show. <laughs> this is a failure. You need the haters too. So <laughs> yeah. Haters too. Even if you have to block them, do something about it. They don't run your platform. They don't run your feed anyways. So it's really this moment where you start kind of inching up that you start getting like enemies, people who are jealous, just people who, but many people who really want to like see you do good, but you're under the microscope. And this is when a lot of people are scared to put their failure. And I say it's the complete opposite. So it sounds a little bit like we already said, but this is exactly when you should share all your failures because people will see that you are a human being, right? Nobody wants to just talk to this robot who's always successful. It's annoying. Nobody's that lucky all the time. A lot of this is being lucky, being at the right place at the right time, right? If you're a religious person, I don't like, you know, certain things that you'll believe with that. So yeah, like this is exactly when you really have to double down on your failures and just, you know, Gary Vee would tell you like chronicle the journey, right? Just talk about all the stuff that you're doing. It's okay to fail. This is a better time than ever to, to show that kind of thing out there. So I don't know how you feel about that, but you know, as I'm sure people are going to be watching this particular, this particular show and failure TV, I think this is going to come up a lot. So I'm curious, you know, kind of what you think about that. Um, honestly, I, I am one of those people that uh, I, I, I fear the success more than the failure. And, and it's because of that with all the people looking at me. Um, I grew up being the geek. Uh, I grew up in a smaller town. So from grade three to pretty much grade 11, if you remember the geek in school, that was me. So I always had eyes on me for the wrong reason. And it took me a long time to come past that and realize that school is school, life is life. And, and there's a big difference there. But it always kept me 
a lot more in my shell than I wanted to be. I wanted to be more outgoing, more excitable. Um, I'm a big kind of class clown kind of guy, but I never really did much in school in those regards because people didn't like me as is. So I didn't want to exacerbate that. So becoming an adult um, and then, you know, becoming more popular, becoming semi-internet celebrity with my online courses and the other things that I'm doing. And all of a sudden people, you know, instead of dissing me all the time, they're respecting me and asking me for my advice and everything. It's completely different and it, it excites me and it scares me all at once because again, you, you get all that attention and then some of it's good and some of it's bad and you don't know what to do. I just learned to roll with it. Um, I have fun with the trolls sometimes, um, you know, kill them with kindness. Um, they really hate that, especially if you keep coming back really nice to them that they just leave because they've got really nothing else that they can go on top of. So try, try not to let that hold you back. You know, I, I'm a perfect example of you can get past that. Um, Absolutely. Two, two years it took me to to get yeah, past that to did, do a, a show where I'm showing it's myself live fire I mean it's not a simple like we're sitting here laughing about it but it's cold and dark and it's a lonely place people don't want to do it there's a great and we should note this in the the show notes it's a wonderful piece called the I think it's called the psychological price of entrepreneurship it's on Inc magazine it's got a wonderful picture at the top of it where it's basically like this person in a fetal position on their mattress that's floating in the ocean and later on the author talks all about how entrepreneurship is like riding a lion so for everybody outside the entrepreneur that's riding the lion they're like wow look at that guy he's riding the lion that's awesome he's just tamed the lion and we're just like oh my gosh how did i get on here how am i not going to die right and also the other thing, so you, if you grew up in a small town, first off, by the way, you know what they call the geek in high school later on as an adult, right? They call him boss. Don't, don't worry about that. Right? They all come back looking for a job. So screw them. Um, yeah, so you show them. But you don't do it to just show them. You don't, we don't take, no. uh, we don't rejoice in others' misery. That's not what this is about. But I'll tell you. Interestingly, you know what the best thing you could do with trolls? You just say thank you for the compliment. And they're just like, I don't even know what to say. Like, they're just <laughs> done. And they're like, what? What just happened? But sorry, but one other thing. So back on the small town thing, I think it is such a precious gift. Everybody's always like, I have to go to New York. I have to go to LA. I have to go to Silicon Valley. I have to go to, you know, whatever flavor of the month club, whatever town is hot in the news today. That's nonsense. You know, I am originally from New York, but I've been in the... Midwest in Louisville, Kentucky, and Cincinnati, Ohio, for the better part of the last decade. And it is a blessing in disguise to be in flyover country or the great north in Canada where it's freezing and people are making fun and they think there's just like moose in the streets and everybody has to translate everything into English and French or whatever their problem, you know, whatever people are oh, yeah. oh, crap, I forgot to walk my polar bear earlier. Right. And everybody's just polite and eats poutine until their heart blows up or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Everybody's going to like insult your place and my place. We're laughing all the way to the bank because while we're perfecting our craft until we're ready to blow up on the global stage, Everybody else is under too much scrutiny, burning too much money, you know? So I think it's okay. great. You know, pre-failure, to make little failures, little unnoticed failures out of the spotlight, is like the best gift you could ever hope and pray for. 
Yeah. And I've actually gotten quite lucky because um, Kelowna has basically become a little bit of a Silicon Valley of the North. Nice. Um, thanks to a little thing you might have heard of called Club Penguin. Um, that yeah. was started here in Kelowna. Started as just cool this little game and, you know, bought out by Disney. And <laughs> now they're How big, big things. was that community? It's like in one of the hugest. Oh, it was. It was. No. Crazy. enormous before they they shut down um, yeah but yeah it just it, it skyrocketed and because of that company and That's disney's so cool. interest in them you know there's so many tech companies here doing really cool things in such a That's small awesome. area and it, it's even better and in relation to that article you were talking about that makes me think um when i was going uh we were doing with Shopify, I was lucky enough to go on this tour called Shop Class, where we went to different places in Canada. And nice. there were merchant panels where we talked to different merchants. And one of them had the best quote about being an entrepreneur. And it's very much like that that article. She mm-hmm. said, being an entrepreneur lets you sleep like a baby. You're up every two hours crying. <laughs> and right. everybody immediately related to her with that. And it's just like, yes. but I wouldn't have it any other way. And everyone agreed, you know, everyone's working their ass off and, and doing all that. And and they're still loving it. And if you can do that from your small town, do it. Like like you said, you you don't have to go to New York. You don't have to go to these big places. If you're doing awesome things, people will still find you. And then you don't have to you know pay nine thousand dollars for an apartment for a month. <laughs> right? Like what is that? Like you basically so you have to be the top one percent earner of the world, and then you still have to like donate blood and plasma to go get groceries. Like what kind of life is that? Who wants that? And I feel like the world is changing where people are starting to understand that there's a lot of remote work, there's a lot of co-working, there's all of these other mixed realities that are coming into play that I really feel like over the next several years and decades to come, everything is going to, the whole game is going to shift with that. I think the interior of this continent is like going to be like a hot spot for all sorts of kinds of things like that. And you just don't need to be in all these places. And it's just crazy. Yeah. And something can be said for those type of environments because, you know, down in like Silicon Valley, you know, people are cramming seven, eight guys in a place just so they can afford rent. But, you know, sometimes amazing things come out of that because you cram, you know, 10 people with these brilliant minds all in the same space and you never know what's what's going to come out of that. And that that's you know another thing that um i think not a lot of people take advantage of are our local groups where you right. can go out and meet people and that honestly has been one of my biggest things all my life is going out and meeting people and totally. you know when i go to a conference and i'm speaking you know i know that i'm going to be speaking to like a couple hundred people but it doesn't bother me but going down to the pub to meet nine people that i've never met before to right. talk shop oh my it's terrifying Yes, and it is. Right. Like, what do you even say? <laughs> right. Even before coming on here, every episode, you know, right before I come on, like, what are we going to do? Oh, Quick, oh my Google God. everything about this? Brian. There's too many Brian Wallaces. No. Oh, no. Exactly. I'm, I'm hiding. You want to hear a funny story about meeting up and stuff? So, Absolutely. we're not going to, we're not going to diss the coast for a minute because I'm originally from New York, born and raised. So, uh, last week I was actually in New York City. Um, for a bun- a whole variety of different things. We don't have time to talk about all of it. I just want to talk about one specific thing. So I, people love to hear me talk about LinkedIn lately. So I've been kind of at the forefront of a lot of different content and going viral and how to get business, all that kind of stuff. But there's this global movement going on. I don't know if there's any, probably some in your neck of the woods. I know there's several different Canadian groups popping up about LinkedIn local where, you know, it's getting to know people behind the profile and there's all these organizers coming out of the woodwork and starting different things. So needless to say, one of the things about failure and just being a crazy entrepreneur like us 
sometimes you just put it on the line and like, let's just see what happens. And if you fail, great. And if you succeed, great. And you don't even care which one, because either way, it's going to be an amazing experience for you and everybody involved. So long story short, I find myself guest hosting the New York City LinkedIn local. And I was going to do it like two months planning before that i end up like having like two days to plan we got a venue we got food we got drinks we have a panel of amazing speakers a raffle and like we sold out and even had like a wait list out the door wow so i mean like talk about you know that's what it is like if you're just transparent in your actions as an entrepreneur as a business owner and or consultant whatever or even inside of a company and you just put it out there hey you know if i fail like what happens like, what am I going to like show up? I'm not going to have a microphone. My clothes fall off. People are going to take pictures and I'm going to go to jail. Like, so, like, honestly, like everybody like worries about these doom scenarios and there's like no chance even statistically of any of this stuff happening. Like the worst yeah. that could happen is like, nobody shows up. Somebody's going to be like, that guy's an idiot. And I'll be like, what do you want from me? I'm coming from 600 miles away trying to do this. So th there's like a no real lose scenario. So I love that kind of stuff. And I, I just think it speaks to the, the win-loss, failure, success. It's kind of just the same thing. I would have been equally happy if it was a total failure. Absolutely. Okay, maybe. And when you talk maybe. to, talk to <laughs> band, uh, a lot of like bands, um, when they're starting out, will tell you yes. stories of that, you know, that playing playing shows for like four people. But doesn't matter if you've got one person or a hundred people there, rock that show. Just, just right. like Gary Vee said, what, as long as it's greater than nobody, right? As long as at least right. one person shows up. Like when we did the shop class, uh, when we went to um, uh, in, in uh, the Yukon there, um, you know, I spoke to seven people, but I spoke to those seven people just like I would have uh, 100 people. And, you know, get them engaged, talk about them because they came to, to listen and, and to do that. So. Yeah. A couple of true fans that you're going to be in touch with forever is amazing. You ever hear the stories about how the Beatles became a thing? It's um, good. Uh, I've I, I watched the uh, the documentary movie that uh, Ron Howard made, and that gave me a little bit of insight into it. But uh, what kind of what, what were you thinking of on that side of things? It was one of Malcolm Gladwell's books talking about the ten thousand hour rule, the experience and mastery. So like everybody thinks they were just a bunch of young kids. They came from Liverpool, England, came to America. It was the British invasion, and the rest is history. But there's no such thing. No such thing in the world as an overnight success. Like whenever like we win an award or we do something cool, I'm like, yeah, I've been killing myself for like two decades to try to like come to this moment today. You just happened to see me in 2018 and not 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. So before all that happened, they just played in like bars and like strip clubs or some garbage in like Germany, right? Yeah. For year, like two or three years straight. But like while most bands, you know, they'll go on a tour for a couple, for like a month and like, that's it. They played like eight hours a day. So like they had to be amazing. They had to have a, you know, a catalog of music that wasn't even theirs. They had to improvise and they just had to have such stamina. So I think by the time that couple of years passed by, they had more experience than I think most bands ever tour in their entire career before they got to America and got famous. And people yeah. really should take that to heart. You know, when you see people and they're like, wow, this person's so well-spoken, look at this message, look at this product, I could never do that. My website's not good enough. I always get that one, right? And it's like, dude, what do you think? What are we on, like, what, you know, version 10? Nobody starts off with anything good. 
everybody starts off with a wing and a prayer and kind of half-assed and everything's just held together by bubblegum and scotch tape and the internet's in beta. All this stuff is crap and people will have oh, you believe yes. otherwise, but nobody knows what they're doing. We're all oh, innovating yeah. constantly. And that made me remember the quote that I completely forgot earlier. You did it. Um, High five. Yes, the, the, <laughs> the overnight success thing. The, the quote yes, was something along the lines of, it takes three years to become an overnight success. And Absolutely. I can't remember who said it, um, but, but they were definitely Three years if you're killing yourself like 20 hours a day. I'd say like even more than that. Yeah, exactly. And then in regards to the other thing, um, when I taught HTML, uh, I taught for four years at uh, St. and Calgary HTML. And one of Sweet. the biggest things from the students was always, as they're learning this base structure, if you've ever seen a website without CSS, it is ugly. It's like 1997 all over again. It's black text all in Times right. New Roman with blue links. <laughs> that is the web without CSS. And they're always like, oh, this is horrible and terrible. And look at what I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, but you are just starting. Like, they look at the stuff that I've done. I'm like, I've been doing this since 1997. I really, really wish that GeoCities was still around and my original websites on GeoCities were still around that I could show people. Uh, I don't. How <laughs> I'm hiding that. It was like every font you could imagine, like all these yeah. different colors, drop shadows, and it's just beyond. How disgusting. Okay, let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many animated GIFs? Come on. Oh, I'd say probably eight or nine. All over, right? Like all, all just over. loading over themselves. Yeah, the, the buttons. I even made my own animated buttons. Like I got, Ooh. I got so into stuff. It was just, nice. it, it was ridiculous. Oh, You're bringing but me that, back. Yeah, and I actually created a website, uh, no-css.com, specifically Ooh. to show students that the web is a disgustingly ugly place, and you're just learning. And you know, check out any website on, on there, and all it does is strip out the CSS, and you see the base structure of the website, and I made so many people feel good about themselves and what they were doing that it was just like perfect because I love you it. know you, you get stuck in that you know you're, you're just starting out and you feel like a failure especially if somebody else is a natural talent and just picks it up right away yeah most people don't do that you know i've definitely had people in my classes that picked up html right away but for the most part they didn't i had one girl that was crying at the end of her first class and she told me she wanted to drop out and i'm like you know what give it two more classes you know just come back keep trying keep reading more and by the end she was one of the best students i had so she didn't think that she could do it at all and just by making herself you know she she wanted to and that was the big thing i'm like do you want to do this she's like yes but i don't think i can but by pushing her and, you know, getting her more involved in what she was doing. She got more involved in what she was doing and she tried harder and she just kept going through those failures of this didn't work. This didn't work. This worked. And when you're coding, it happens all the time, but the, the stuff she was creating at the end was awesome. And I changed somebody's life. It's the little things that can make yeah. the big things. Right. Yeah. And you've touched on a point. I, I just want to make sure like everybody captures like this exact thing, right? Everyone should have the feeling of failure because it is the most humbling thing on the earth. I think it is so, so important to have that feeling a few points in your life because if all you do is succeed, like I'm worried about like everybody who is a Gen Z and thinks that you're just cryptocurrency rich and the stock, you know, the stock market's going to endlessly go up and the NASDAQ's at 7,000 and the Dow is at 25,000. I mean, you know, we're probably about the same age, right? Like, 
I think. So we're both I'm like 39. Zen. So how old are you? Okay, I'm 40. Yeah. So we're, we're <laughs> well, both almost Zen- 39. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're both Zennials, right? Like the bridge yeah. between the Gen X millennial, whatever. We don't have to talk marketing speak here. But we lived in an era where we remember 9-11. We remember the stock market tanking. We remember, you know, the Great Recession. That kind of stuff dot-com bubble. Oh man, what a nightmare with all that. I could go on stories with all that. It failed all over the place with that stuff. Four foot hair. Yep. <laughs> Whatever works, right? Just dogs and cats running around the office for the first time with Aaron chairs because they're cool. And how do we sit in these things? What's going on? Right. Oh, so dude, oh man, it goes way back. So I just feel like in a world where, again, from that big short movie, but other people talk about it, it's an economic term, uh, the hot hand fallacy. You don't just keep making those three pointers, dude, right? Just because you like were 10 for 10, your 11th shot is still like the 50 50 or whatever percentage of getting the shot. There is no guarantee that this is going to keep going up. For everybody who's like, oh, but Ripple is like this and cryptocurrency is going like that and the stock market's perfect. I mean, I remember like in 99, 2000, 2001 when like the whole stock market was hot and all that. And I was working in the dot com world and I was in the metro New York area back then. Man, like that world like died overnight, right? And like we were all amazed like when the Nasdaq hit like five thousand. Right now, I don't even understand what's going on here. Like, there's no basis on why everything is like this. A lot of it is emotion and speculation. There's no reason why the economy is the way it is, and I'm a little frightened. So you know, I'm always frightened. I, I'm always right <laughs> for the like, worst hope for the best. You and I, like, we're not like old guys or whatever, but we've been around enough that like, we know that there is failure inherent in all of this. And when yeah. it's like the second there's like the tulip mania, com mania, when people are just doing things and they don't even understand why, just because I want into, I don't know. A friend of mine's like the second your cab driver starts talking about X, that's like when it's time like to be done. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, let me ask you, because everybody obviously um, comes to their own viewpoint on on failure and success based on their own personal experiences. So what was it in your life that kind of pushed you in this direction to embrace failure and, and to learn from failure instead of oppose it? Like, like, where did you get that from? Where do your standards of success come from? Oh, man. So let's... We didn't get into my whole background and all that, but usually we start with that kind of thing at the beginning of a show. I feel like everybody's already gotten that on other shows. Let's start like a little bit more in the middle. So um, I, my background's in technology. I also have like political science degrees and business degrees, all the, basically like a bunch of degrees that I don't really need to do the things that I do and just expend it. Dave Ramsey would call it the stupid tax, I believe. So, <laughs> so basically I'm, you know, arcing my way up to the successful technology career and just, I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. I get my way all the way up to being a CTO for a little, little media place right outside New York city. And eventually I'm just like, I just want to work for myself. I want to kind of carve my own path. So I go and talk to the people who own the place and I'm like, you know, like I'm running your technology shop and I really just want to do my own thing. Please be my client. And they said, yes. And after that, like, I just felt like there's so many things because I mean, talk about the verge of failure. What if they're like, screw you, buddy. And you're fired. Like, you know, you have to reach a point where you're just like, I don't even care. Like this, I feel like I'm ready to do X, which is maybe not always the smartest thing. I mean, I will recommend a book by John Acuff called Quitter, not Twitter, but Quitter with a Q, where basically, not to ruin the book for everybody, but it's talking about basically like, don't destroy your day job and like kill your idea dream on the vine that it doesn't even have a chance to blossom because you need money and you need clients and you need ideas. There's so many people that are subject matter experts, 
but they don't know like even how much they should charge, what their, you know, what their rates are, what they offer, how to write a contract, how to collect money. And these are important skills, kids, because you will die of starvation if you don't know how to do things like even just hold somebody accountable to a contract. And I see all these people just complaining on their Facebook feeds. Oh man, I get screwed over again. It's like, yup. And you shouldn't talk about that either because your clients are probably watching and I don't know what you're doing anyway, but I digress. So I feel I like, after, yeah, totally. We all learn it the hard way. Who are we kidding? So I feel like just after some of those bold steps, my wife and I, you know, started a business back then and it was all like building websites and stuff like that. I'm just like, this is not like original and different enough. We started becoming a very early on social media agency. We took it, we moved it to the Midwest, really started to blossom and away from like the public eye and like, you know, really had a chance to kind of refine and move that flywheel and hone that craft. And by the end of the 2000s, I'm just like, all right, enough of social media. I mean, not done with social media, but let's get like really deep and narrow and like just figure out like a really highly focused area to, to do and really own. And that was infographics because I felt like it was a very underdeveloped market. There were barely anybody doing it. And then we do all this other stuff like research. We do all this crazy design. We get all sorts of massive press. We've really figured out a lot of standards across the way just by failing all over the place, right? Nobody gave us a map. There's no map. I mean, it's like how to help start an industry by who are you kidding? <laughs> what are you like looking yeah. for the toy in the Cracker Jack box? You're out of your mind, kid, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's I like when you see all the question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's well, it, it's like, you know, everyone wants the 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 quick recipe. And that's why, you know, when you go no on, you know, Facebook and YouTube and stuff, you see all these um, if you're looking at entrepreneurial stuff, you're you're gonna see ads mm -hmm. for like become a drop shipper and get a million dollar store in six months. And you know, oh, wow. you know, How this easy. is the way that the quick if if it was that well, easy, we'd all be millionaires. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, you, you, you can't. So you, you have to get yourself in that mindset and you, you have to move yourself forward. And right. all of that stuff, you just kind of have to take it and run. And yeah, you're going to have the good days. You're going to have the bad days. You're going to have the crying in the corner days. <laughs> you're going to have the top of the world days. And uh, all these things, by the way, can happen all... like in one day, <laughs> right? Oh. It can happen in a three-hour period. You you know, kidding, man. Yeah. Well, you come from technology. I uh, former IT manager, and you know, things things can be going just wicked, and then all of a sudden, poof, everything <laughs> blows up. Somebody deletes the database. You get hacked. Whatever. It, like, just yeah. have some hard liquor nearby. Yeah, and you just gotta gotta learn from it and prepare better for next time. And that was uh, one thing I was gonna mention is when you are wanting to do something, you know, make, make sure you are as prepared as you possibly can be before diving in head first. Like I, I know diving in head first is an awesome feeling and you wanna do it, but if you don't have those ducks in a row before you dive in head first, you're guaranteed to hit that rock and break your neck. And that's not what we wanna do. So yeah, um, if you're working on a side job, don't quit that day job until you've got at least a plan sorted out on how you're going to live for the next three months once you quit your job. You ain't kidding. The world celebrates idiocy, right? <laughs> Literally, like the they world really celebrates do. being an idiot, the appearance of being rich, right? So it's like, this person can afford 10 Teslas. I'm going to rent one Tesla to look like that guy. Why? Yeah. Right. I just that got overfunded and now my startup died because I took too much and I didn't know what to do. You didn't win the lottery. You got to pay that back. And now everybody owns you. Yeah. So when you're like, wow, look, I'm leaving my job. Everybody's congratulating you. You get a cake 
you shouldn't get a cake. You should get a kick in the ass because it's like, why are you doing it? <laughs> that actually reminds me, did you hear about the new service where you can rent a rent a private jet so you can go take your Instagram photos? Uh, so I can go down. Sugar. Oh, yeah. Look at me in my private jet that I don't own, but I'm cool enough to take a picture in it. Oh, and I cost me 400 bucks. <laughs> like, well, this maybe like you could just there's take no the entrepreneurs fly me out to holler at you, right? But the beautiful <laughs> thing is, whoever thought of that idea is a true entrepreneur. He yes. thought I could charge people to come take pictures with private planes, and everyone else betcha told him he was freaking crazy. And now he is getting massive news coverage, and people are paying him 400 bucks a pop to take Whatever. pictures of himself with a private plane. If you need to pay somebody 400 bucks to take a picture of yourself, you really need mental help. Unless they're a photographer and they're bringing lights and backdrops, then you can pay four hundred bucks for a picture. It's just, it's a little crazy. Whatever. I'm not here to crap on his model. It sounds original, sounds different, sounds like he knows his market of over over opportunistic people that all want to shine by doing the exact same thing. Yes, <laughs> you see a lot of those on social media, and, and, yeah. and it is kind of um, there's kind of two camps, right? Like bad. you're either people do have like certain skills and abilities. So some people you can kind of just tell are like kind of brilliant. And then there's other people who have to kind of just super copy everybody. Right. I'm not yeah. really sure where I'm going with that, but it's just something <laughs> that I've observed through the years. Yeah. Well, the, the big thing is if you can take something that is already out there and make it better, like actually make it better to, to solve a need and a problem, then that's awesome. But if you're just making the same thing in a different color, then or you read it in a blog post. Hey, some so-and-so said this is the hot career this year. Okay. Yeah. And like everybody changes their LinkedIn profile to be the Bitcoin expert. Yeah, I haven't changed my titles really in, right? in like, years. What is I've that? stuck with the same things. Right, totally. It's okay and to do that. You don't just, just ride the new, new thing. No, but I do. I, I have to say, I, I love the word technologist. And since it's come out, I, I've used that because all the it's different word. things that I know, it really covers. It's a really so good word because most people don't know how the internet works. They don't know how vulnerable it is. All they know is oh, like, I've got my iPhone and it can connect to Wi-Fi. I don't know where and what they're stealing, but you know, it's just magic. And I hope it really works. And I hope that, you know, everybody can just think for me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, life just is a little bit more uh, in depth than little, that. A little too push button. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in this push button society, um, if you could give one one piece of advice to somebody that's uh, just starting out, what would it be in, in this current time frame and, and era? Oh, man. Start now. Start now. Stop listening to your parents, your friends, your colleagues. All of these people mean well for you, but very often people ask the wrong people the right questions. So if I asked all of my friends 10 years ago, should I start an infographic business when the entire industry doesn't exist? And everyone laughed at me, said no, said I'm crazy. Why wouldn't I just have my normal great technology job? They just can't see it, right? So like, I feel like comedians are like this, like, People who are entrepreneurs like can understand each other. You and I can have a great, like we could talk for the next six hours and not skip a beat. And like, maybe eventually like one of us would like doze off, but like we could talk about this forever. But like you talk to somebody else who like works a nine to five, no idea what we're talking about. And they feel bad for us at the end of the day. And we feel bad for them. So that's fine. Right? So start 
Don't follow the crowd. Don't just copy somebody and, you know, ride the plane to take a picture. If that's what you want to do, if that's your business, great. You're doing like travel business. Awesome. But don't just follow everybody else's playbook. Try to like forge your own path. I know it's scary. Don't go broke in the process. Make sure that like, you know, if you have a spouse, a loved one, whatever, make sure that your, your partner's on board and all that kind of stuff and don't go for broke. But at the same time, you got to just try these things because we've got, we have one life. What are you waiting for? Right? Like I was frustrated out of my mind that I waited so long in my late twenties to start my business. I'm like, man, I really should have done this. But I know people that are like in their eighties and they're like, they're just having the time of their lives. You know, the entrepreneur bug strikes everybody, regardless of socioeconomic class, race, sexual religion, whatever, right? It's everybody all over the map. And so many people have so many great ideas and they just are living like a soul crushing life that they don't get to realize it. So just start and not like a crappy new year's resolution start. Cause that's garbage. Go look at the gym in February. Give me a break. Come back and watch this in February, yo. Right? Like, let's like let's see what you're all made of. And it's all about the speed of really executing on that. Perfect is the enemy of the good. Do not wait for this opportune moment because we live in very interesting times where you and I can broadcast from anywhere and make a really loud noise across that is heard across the world, as this great podcast is. Yes. That is an awesome answer for that. And I thank you very much. Um, so that uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. Um, thank you very much for, for coming on. Um, I've also been looking forward to this conversation for My a while. Pleasure. So this is a great long day. time coming. Yep. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, if you're a, a new viewer, thanks for uh, coming by and uh, hope to see you again next month.